Welcome to the ENC Wedding Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Bertling. I really appreciate you being here to listen as we discuss tips to help you plan your wedding. I'm sure you will find our topics beneficial to you in your planning process. In our podcast, we'll have wedding professionals, brides, grooms, and others participating in discussions that will assist you in your planning. And it is my hope to help you reduce your stress level as well. Hello, so happy to have you all listening today. If you're recently engaged, congratulations. Um, If you are in your planning process, uh, keep listening. We have lots of topics to discuss. I'm joined today by the Reverend Suzanne Hood from Christ Episcopal Church in New Bern. Hello. Hi. (laughs) And of course, we have wedding professional, fusion wedding professional, Mark Rorick. Hello, yeah, Mark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. That's our running joke, Suzanne. Oh. <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> I originally, I've known Mark for several years and yeah. I always say his name wrong. So uh, finally I started going Rorig. <laughs> yes. So the evolution of the name. That's right. Yeah. So we have an interesting conversation that we're going to have today because ultimately while we talk about weddings, the goal is to have an amazing marriage. And that's what we want our couples to have. So we're going to talk a little bit today with Suzanne about premarital counseling. And uh, just I went and researched a little bit of information about divorces. Ah. Um, According to the American Psychological Association in 2022, the stats claim that uh, first marriages approximately 50 percent end in divorce and approximately 67% for second marriages. Yeah. So that's kind of scary. And um, But on a positive note, the other statistic I found was that couples who actually go through premarital counseling have a 31% chance of making it. So uh, Suzanne's here to just talk about her experience. And um, can you talk about some key reasons why premarital counseling works? Sure. Well, in in the Episcopal Church where I serve, um, it's a requirement if you're going to get married by a priest in the church, we require you to have premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. And the primary reason for that is because we believe strongly that honest and open conversation is essential in having a healthy marriage. And we frequently see people in counseling after marriage um, who come with various concerns and questions and issues that arise over the course of a marriage. And as we know, marriage is a complicated thing. It's always a hundred percent, a hundred percent from both people. That's right. Um, And that requires a lot of time and effort and patience. And there are always ups and downs in our lives. And uh, so the more we can do on the front end to foster an open and honest conversation to really help people understand that it's not, you know, it's not the end of a rom-com, right? Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of more work. And so if you start that with that kind of effort and energy and um, intention, mm-hmm. then it's going to be easier to continue it. And it's going to be healthier because you've gotten used to talking about things. Also, sometimes in the course of courtship, we don't always have all the conversations, right? Like, right. <laughs> there's the there's the early dating where we're trying to put the best foot forward and, mm-hmm. you know, the best version of ourselves. And then by the time we're engaged, we've probably moved on from that. But there are always the things we're afraid to talk about. Yes. The things we're afraid to bring up. The stuff that 
Frankly, it's hard to admit to ourselves, much less to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And if we have the opportunity to have that mediated conversation with a disinterested but interested third party, um, then sometimes that helps us talk about things that we hadn't yet discussed in a relationship. So what are some of those key things that you do address in those conversations? So um, we start by talking, encouraging people to share their life story, because we know that the ways in which we were raised are familiar to us and make all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. And they seem like they're the universal experience, but they're not, right? They're our experience. And so when we share, like, this is my family history, and this is my life story, and this is how I grew up, then we get to hear the differences and similarities in a different way because we're thinking about it in the context of relationship and in the context of marriage. So that's where we start. Can I ask a question to that? When you first start talking to couples, how many times are they having that conversation for the first time? So usually it's a bit of both. So it's some stuff that they've talked about before and then other things that maybe they've never heard before. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. Um, And and I I think, you know, we learn um, a lot that we have consciously learned from our families, but also unconsciously learned from our families. And so how did we grow up? What was the structure of the family we grew up in? How do we feel about that? How has that influenced how we are today in relationship? Those kinds of conversations. Um, Then we move on to, you know, how is your relationship? How do you structure your relationship? Mm -hmm. Um, How does the past influence the present uh, for both of you? And what are you consciously looking at and what are you maybe not yet aware of that plays out. Right. (laughs) We all have things in our lives that we have to deal with. Right. And sometimes we don't deal with it. Yeah. And then, of course, um, we talk about sex and intimacy and the role of that within the relationship and how, you know, do we use intimacy and sex as conflict resolution? And if so, do both parties feel like that's useful or is it partially destructive? Are we avoiding tough things by being intimate with one another? We don't really want to talk. And so we give a hug or we move into a sexual situation Mm -hmm. so that we don't address the things that we really need to address. Or is it super healthy and everyone's happy? Do both parties feel like they can say what they need to say around sex and Mm -hmm. intimacy? Or is something being held back? Um, we talk about finances. How are we approaching money? <laughs> um, especially because a lot of the folks that I work with are in um, not in their twenties, right? Right. They're yeah. early on, <laughs> and in their twenties, it's different than if you're working with a couple that, which more of the couples that I'm counseling are people who are in second marriages, mm-hmm. or one person is a second marriage and the other one isn't. I see. And they might be in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. And so, how do we think about estate planning and um, are there children from a previous relationship mm-hmm. and how does that impact the finances and are you planning to merge your money or not? And how do you feel about that? And if somebody made a financial decision without discussing it with the other, how would that be for you? And right. people are often not on the same page about that. They may never have talked about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it can right. create some interesting conversations. Sure. I mean, I think a lot of couples, there's a spender and a saver and sure. that can cause a lot of rift between the two of them. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that everybody needs to be the same, 
but we need to be honest about who we are mm-hmm. and discuss it and come to, you know, an agreement of how that's going to proceed. Yes, definitely. And of course, children too, how to raise them. Do we even want them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've heard of couples saying, oh, no, we both agree that we're not going to have children. And then they get married and one of them just lied about it from the beginning. Like maybe lied to themselves yeah. and realized now I do want to have children, but maybe he or she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I think we obviously we're always working with what we have in the moment. So mm-hmm. we're trying to be as honest as we can in, in this particular moment. And that may have been true and it then is no longer true. But if you don't at least start the conversation, um, then obviously you don't know what you're dealing with. I think really it's about fostering as much healthy, open, honest communication as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of hidden expectations that people have because of the ways in which they grew up. Like, this is what I saw, even if, you know, this is the distribution of power within the household for a bond of a better word. You know, this is who had the final say. This is who um, made the final decisions about monetary expenditures. This is who did the majority of the work inside the home. This is, you know, all Mm -hmm. of those kinds of things that we just absorb and we don't even know that we've absorbed that. And we assume that that's either that's the way we want to do it or that's really not the way we want to do it, right? Usually there's a strong reaction one way or one the way other. <laughs> um, but we may or may not have had a conversation about that with anyone, much less our partner. Right. And what you consider to be natural <laughs> right. may not be natural for the other partner. Right. Yeah. That's true. And it can be really big things, but it can also be stupid. What we would say are stupid things, like little <laughs> things, right? Like leaving that toilet seat up. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, when did the dishes get done? Yeah. Right. Some people like, like to do it at night. Did the get dishes get done after every single meal? You never leave a dish on the counter. Mm-hmm. Or did the dishes get done at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Or do we just not care about dishes? Yeah, like when we get to it. <laughs> right. I mean, those are seemingly small things, but they can cause a lot of tension, mm-hmm. yeah. especially because it's a daily day after day after day. And it's a way of approaching the way we live that maybe we aren't in agreement with and maybe we are, but we at least need to come to some honest communication about it. Mm-hmm. I, that's probably the biggest thing, communication and why it's important yeah. to do these sessions. So obviously you come from a religious background in regards to these. Do, are you aware of other ways that people, if in case they're not attached to a religious um, establishment, other ways that they can find counseling? Well, certainly any um, marriage and family um, counseling would, you know, anyone who does that kind of counseling would meet with you to discuss things up leading up to a marriage. In fact, mm-hmm. I think couples counseling is something that most people um, would benefit from at some stage in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Certainly before a marriage, it's a good idea. But um, I also think just getting over the hurdle of thinking that therapy or talking about um, our feelings or our relationships is like some sort of like it has to be a negative thing. I think if we do it in in a positive setting like premarital counseling where we're going towards this really beautiful and exciting moment and the beginning of this new phase of our lives and we're making a conscious choice to do that, inviting in the idea of counseling into that, whether it's in a religious setting or not, I think gets some of the stigma out of the way that 
it doesn't mean if you go to marriage counseling at some point over the course of your marriage, it doesn't mean that your marriage is failing. It doesn't right. mean that things are falling apart. It just means that sometimes it's helpful to have another person in the conversation to help get through something that might be a little challenging. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that person can also help bring out that information that maybe you're not, you're not comfortable sharing. Yeah. And maybe just the way you question it or talk to them makes them feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. And people I notice often will say a statement, um, they'll answer a question one way. And if you push a little bit, then you get underneath that answer. So, um, you know, if one person in the couple has um, kids and the other one, and so you say, so how is that working out? You know, having uh -huh. um, the these children from this previous relationship in, in the relationship and the first answer from the, you know, for if the woman doesn't, isn't the mother of the children, the first answer is, oh, it's wonderful. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to have them, blah, 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 blah. And that's all true. And, right, like, the more you dig, the more you find, okay, so sometimes it's hard when my uh, fiance chooses, seemingly chooses his children over me. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. So, you know, like those kinds of things. Yes. And then the future spouses are, are, for the most part, are they a little surprised to hear that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little surprised. Um, or... We always hope that things are going to be easier than they are, right? Right. Like, yeah. But life is complicated. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's bad. But if we pretend it's um, smooth water all the time, then we're ignoring the fast pedaling underneath, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> the wow. duck in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, that's a complication. Another complication is difference differences of religion. Mm -hmm. And this might be a one of our dilemmas, dilemma number 63, um, you know, how to overcome differences in, uh, in religion. But in a short, you know, way, do you mind sharing how you might guide a couple to overcome that situation? It's important to remember that our faith journey is always our own. Mm -hmm. And our life journey is always our own. So I think the more we can detach from the other person that we're in relationship with in healthy ways and not be invested in what their journey is um, and leave them to their path and own our own, um, the healthier we're going to be long term in any relationship, marriage, certainly, but friendship and family as well. So um, so if you're coming from two different faith traditions, then we just let that be. And we don't try to find, I mean, I think you need to come to some agreement if you're going to have children on which tradition you're going to, or both, mm -hmm. and, right? Like you might raise your children in both traditions mm -hmm. and that would be totally fine. Um, but I think you definitely need to have that conversation in advance and you need to not hide that from the extended family. And you need to be honest about what that means for you as a couple, because the more you can differentiate yourselves from your families as you come together into this new thing, um, the better it will be long-term, mm -hmm. especially if there are going to be children involved, because you don't want there to be un unsaid expectations from, say, grandparents who are anticipating that a child is going to be baptized or confirmed or something like that if they were going to be raised in a in the Episcopal Church or another Christian denomination. 
and they have no intention of doing that with, you know, and right. that kind of thing. It's just going to create problems down the road. Um, if it's, you know, if faith is really important to one person and not important to the other, I think that, I mean, that can be completely fine as long as everyone is respecting where the other one is coming from. And there's no attempting to try to meld or f- or bring that person on board with the way they see the world. We, anytime we're entering into a marriage, we should be trying to do our absolute best to come into full and honest and open acceptance of the person that we are marrying as they are in this moment, not as they might be someday, but as they are today. Mm-hmm. And all that that is, right? Good, bad, and ugly, and beautiful. And, right. you know, so I think, and if you're coming from two different denominations within the same faith tradition, so if you're both Christian, but coming from different denominations, it's a little less complicated, but sometimes not, depending. Um, and again, I think it just, you know, comes down to talking to each other and being clear. That's right. So how long, Suzanne, would you say that typical marriage counseling lasts? You know, it may be in weeks or days. How, how do you normally do it? I do six sessions, mm-hmm. um, and they're usually just an hour, hour and a half. Um, and so that can be a short period of time. Usually it's over several months because okay. usually people are busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, um, you know, So you just kind of work it into mm-hmm. everybody's schedules. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So the last session is always um, more detail-oriented towards the actual ceremony itself and picking and finalizing liturgy and things like that that are, you know, which – word choices the couple wants to use and that kind of thing. And so typically I would prefer to finish that at least three or so weeks before the actual wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, we got married a long time ago and I think, uh, I think that what you're talking about today, I wish that more people did it Mm -hmm. now. I wish that Valerie and I had that type of an opportunity, you know, especially a one-on-one conversation and uh, it would be very beneficial, and it would help you get past those little things mm-hmm. a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Suzanne, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that will help them prepare for their marriage? I I also I realize I don't know that I said this before, but I think that um, one of the things that's super important that we talk about is um, how how the couple fights um, mm-hmm. because. Oftentimes, especially leading up to a wedding, like people just want to pretend like everything's all rosy all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to argue well and to fight well. And so to talk about how we do that and how do we resolve conflict and and for each person to be honest about like what their style is and what's hard and important and good for them and not good for them and that kind of thing. I had a, a couple that I was talking to, you know, where one of them said, I just really need a lot of time to process and the other person seems to want to resolve it right away. Right. And that's fine, but it, at least they have to be honest about, okay, that's not going to work for both parties if, you know, if they're so diametrically opposed in the ways in which they want to resolve conflict. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, one time in my husband and I have been to marriage counseling because I think it's just a good thing. Um, and in the past, we were we were talking to our marriage counselor one time, and he said, it's really important how you come back together again after a fight. You know, it's not just did you argue and argue well, but then how did you come back together and how do you resolve it? And I, so I talk a lot about that with the people that I'm doing premarital counseling with. Like, how do you resolve arguments and what does that look like? And 
and are we just, you know, kissing and making up, quote unquote, um, or are yeah. we actually resolving the argument? <laughs> well, how, how, do you, how do you tell? Because if you give them a situation, or you probably even see, mm-hmm. not battles right in front of you, but you see issues, right? Yep. And do you see them attempt to like resolve them magically right in front of you? And you're like, oh no, this is this is not good. <laughs> well, I usually usually when that happens, it's when one person is trying to um pretend that it's not a problem. Like they want to just calm the waters, right? They don't mm-hmm. want to be involved in the conflict. And so I encourage them to actually stop and allow themselves to feel the feelings and to say what's really true and um and I think trusting, I mean, part of part of the beauty of marriage is that it's not a quick, um, I mean, I know, yes, technically you can get divorced, but it's it's complicated to disentangle your lives, right? So it's not a quick, well, I'm just done with this and I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then, um, then it's worth putting the time and effort and honesty into the conversation. And so saying what's really true and dealing with what that means um, rather than just trying to, you know, smooth things over and pretend it's all fine. Well, thank you, Suzanne, and also Mark for being here to share your knowledge with our listeners. Appreciate it. I'd also like to thank PS Productions for hosting this ENC Wedding Talk podcast. PS Productions has proudly served our Eastern North Carolina community with quality photography, video, audio productions, lighting and sound rentals for over 16 years. If you would like to ask questions or have a topic you'd like us to discuss, please email us at encweddingtalkshow at gmail.com. I'm Jennifer Bertling, and I thank you for your time and being with us. Until next time, take care.